verses 1 through 7. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Here ends the reading. Good morning. My name is Mike Stroh, and I'm one of the pastors here. Let me add my welcome to everyone this morning. It's great to be together worshiping in Advent. Thank you, William, for reading our passage. Thank you to all those who decorated the sanctuary. So I was on my way up this morning. I was kind of planning my approach. Do I go around the poinsettias? Do I try to leap over the poinsettias? But then I might, that might be too risky. That's one of the things that they don't teach you in seminary is how to avoid the poinsettias. But Steneric teaches at the seminary, so can I put a plug in for maybe adding that to the curriculum? Proper poinsettia avoidance 101 or something. Just, just an idea. But Psalm 80 uh, is where we'll be this morning as we turn our attention to Advent, as we enter into this season, taking hold of our hope. You know, in 2006, maybe you heard the story at the time, there was a Japanese civil servant who was enjoying a picnic lunch on a popular peak uh, in a mountain range overlooking Osaka Bay. At the end of their time together, at the end of the day, his friends uh, took the cable car down the mountain, but uh, he, Mitsutaka Uchikoshi, decided he was going to hike down the mountain by himself, which doesn't end well, usually, when a story begins that way. Uh, but somewhere along the way, he slipped and he fell. He hit his head, he broke his pelvis, he lay there injured. Unable to move, unable to call for help, quickly the temperature dropped as he lay there on the mountain injured. Thankfully, Mitsutaka was discovered by a hiker 24 days later, alive. Uh, Without food or water, evidently, he was hypothermic, his organs were failing, and yet he was alive Uh, somehow. Doctors and scientists still don't quite know how he survived. Some at the time, and some scientists suggest this is some form of human hibernation, that somehow his body went into this emergency sort of rest mode where his organs slowed down and even shut down, but his brain stayed intact, and somehow he survived. Uh, Scientists are studying rare cases like this to try to unlock human hibernation, even for things like spaceflight, that astronauts would be able to put into some form of hibernation to survive long space missions. But at least for now, humans can't hibernate. I I don't think any of you have ever hibernated. I don't think I have. So most of us, we we can't hibernate. Uh, But it would be useful, wouldn't it? Uh, Even for things other than long space missions. Um, Sometimes there are whole seasons of the year that we think, hey, you know, it would be nice to just hibernate. 
uh, for a little while, just to skip over. Maybe it's a stressful or a painful season. It'd be nice to just be like a bear, you know, okay, I'm out. Wake me up in the spring, okay? And some of us feel that way approaching this season. A season maybe you feel like you wish you could skip. Maybe it's the stress of it. Maybe it's anticipating uh, too many gatherings. Maybe you have some travel ahead of you. Maybe it's just exhaustion that you're feeling at the end of a difficult year. I know for so many, there's a, the pain that comes up in this time due to the loss of a loved one, feeling of loneliness. Some of us would really love to just skip over this season. Some of us maybe just want to buckle down and get through it. Maybe you just want to check out entirely. But God created us as human beings without the ability to hibernate. The, without the ability to check out for whole seasons of the year. He's created us to be present with him and with each other every day, even when it's difficult. But this does not come naturally, how to be awake spiritually, how to be present. We need to be guided into it. And so even if you're one of those many who say, I love everything about this holiday season, I'm just so excited. If that's you, great. You also need to be guided into what it means to be present spiritually, to take hold of your hope. This morning, as we've heard, we begin our Advent season, which, yes, includes Christmas, but it's so much more than that. Advent means coming, and so, as we heard, we put ourselves into the shoes of those God's people waiting for the first coming of the Messiah. And then we keep ourselves in our own shoes also to, as we wait, the second coming. We're calling our series A Beautiful Anticipation. Advent comes at the end of our Western calendar year, but Advent is really the beginning of the church calendar. This reminds us that we need to look at Advent the way God's people have looked at it for so long throughout history, not as the chaotic end of a year, but as the intentional beginning of a year. This morning, let's start the church year together. Let's start the season of Advent intentionally, rather than trying to spiritually hibernate or just check out, Psalm 80 gives us a spiritual wake-up call because of the hope that is ours. And so let's be guided by this beautiful psalm, Psalm 80, and how we can take hold of our hope this Advent season. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, we give you thanks for this Advent season, and I pray that you would be with each one of us, even during the few moments that we have together to look into your word. We're all in different places. We're all at varying levels of weariness, of excitement, of grief, of stress, of hurry. So, Father, in these few moments, would you help us to pause? Would you help us to slow down and listen to your word? Move among us by the power of your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. So, Psalm 80 in your Bible. Uh, You can turn there if you have it, otherwise the text is on our online bulletin, on our website. But this psalm has long been used by the church at the start of Advent to help reframe us, to help reset us. You might see the heading in your Bible, a testimony of Asaph, or of Asaph. Asaph was appointed by King David uh, for singing praise in the temple. It was likely written long after Asaph, so this of Asaph probably means in his style or by his students. The song is a communal lament where God's people came together 
likely in, at first, when it was first written, to lament the fall of the northern kingdom, the northern tribes of Israel in the 8th century B.C. But it's become a song for God's people in any season of lament to take up together. It's a prayer for restoration of repentance, of renewal, of coming before God with a need and asking Him to act. Now, as New Testament believers, we're separated from the 8th century B.C. by quite a few years. Uh, But how can we take up the words of this song today, particularly in in Advent? What what do we need God's power to deliver us from this season? As we enter Advent, some of us need to call on God to deliver us from spiritual complacency, from addiction to distraction, from materialism, consumerism, from greed that so often comes with the distortions of this season in our culture. And for those of us who enter Advent with the pain of loss and grief, we need God's power to deliver us from despair, from a grief without hope. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, let's all take up these words of the psalmist, to take hold of our hope in Christ. Now, first we see that the psalmist guides us to recognize our need for God, to recognize our need for God. Look at the first few verses of Psalm 80, the first stanza here, verses 1 through 3. Listen, shepherd of Israel, who leads Joseph like a flock. You who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine on Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Rally your power and come to save us. Restore us, God. Make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. Well, this psalm is unique in part for what it doesn't contain. Uh, Commentator Charles Wood captures this very well. He says, There is no searching of the heart, no probing of the reasons for God's anger or withdrawal or distance, no explicit acknowledgement of fault. There is simply sheer need for God. The pain of absence and the longing for God's presence. The psalm is so refreshing to start a new year because it reminds us of our sheer need for God. No matter where we all are, this is true of us. We are completely dependent on God. This is our starting place wherever we are. Listen, shepherd of Israel, the psalmist says. There's no dancing around the issue. There's no testing the waters. The psalmist jumps right in. There's no wondering where to turn or what the psalmist is going to do. He knows what he needs to do, and that's come before God in prayer. There's no doubt in the psalmist's mind that God alone can do the restoring. God alone can do the delivering, the renewing here. Human nature, of course, we like to do it on our own. It starts very young. We say, I want to do that all by myself. And we never grow out of that, right? And so, again, we need to be guided back to reality. That we're in a constant state of needing God. Look at the imperatives here in these first few verses. Listen, shine, rally your power, restore us. He says, make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. In other words, God, if you don't do this, it's not happening. It's so easy to forget this truth when things are easy. At least it is for me. I don't know if it is for you. When things are comfortable in my life, how easy it is for me to forget my complete, sheer need for God. See, when trials come in our life, one of the good things about them is that they help us to see reality. They remind us of this truth 
as the psalmist and God's people at this time were experiencing. This was a good thing for them because it was a spiritual wake-up call. Brought them back to reality. Helps us to remember our desperate need for God. And so the psalmist calls God the shepherd of Israel. This image of God as a shepherd king. We see God in absolute holiness and power. He alone can intervene in our lives. Not just in the movement of nations like the psalmist has in mind here, but in our own hearts. Because when we ask God to turn toward us, we're also asking God to turn us toward Him. And that's repentance. In our need for Him, we recognize our own sufficiency. In light of His holiness, we see our own brokenness and our own sin. If we want to be spiritually awake this Advent, we need to be honest with our need. We need to be honest with ourselves and with each other about our need for God. That means an open heart toward Him, a repentant heart. Instead of just pointing the finger at others about what we're struggling with, we need to come before God and ask God to forgive us, to make us right with Him. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, Advent, this beginning of the church year, is the perfect time for a spiritual reset for you. You're not going to get anywhere if you refuse to see your need for God. The God who is ready to listen when you call out to Him. The God who has promised to give you life in His Son if you come to Him by faith. And as believers, this psalm gives all of us a spiritual reset, a wake-up call, because again, we're always in a, need, in a state of needing God, whether we recognize it or not. So our ultimate need, moment to moment, is the presence of God. And so let's be like the psalmist this season, rather than just getting swept up in the chaos of the season, or trying to bury our heads in the sand just to get through it. Let's be present with the God who is our shepherd. If you're struggling, if you're suffering, if you're grieving this season, don't be silent. Call out to God in your need. Turn to Him not at the, as a last resort, but the first. Let's take hold of our hope this Advent. And to do that first, we need to recognize our need for God. The psalmist then teaches us to cry out honestly to God. The psalm is not a passive, timid prayer. The psalmist is all in. Look at the second stanza, starting in verse 4. Lord, God of armies, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You fed them the bread of tears and gave them a full measure of tears to drink. You put us at odds with our neighbors. Our enemies mock us. Restore us, God of armies. Make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. Do you hear the honesty in these words? There's no book that's more honest than the Bible, and the Psalms in particular give the full range of emotional expression that we as human beings feel. It's all here. The psalmist holds God evidently responsible for what's happening. God, you have done this. You have given us tears. Now wait just a minute. We know from the history of Israel, it's clearly laid out for us in the Old Testament, this was their fault, right? God promised them what was going to happen if they turned away from him, and it happened. But the psalmist here is wrestling with God. Wrestling in this sad reality that God alone can do anything about it. He's wrestling. How long will you be angry with your people's prayers? The psalmist cries out. This word anger could be translated fuming. 
It's the idea of being wrapped in smoke. So clearly there's this idea of, of anger wrapped up here, but this idea of being wrapped up in smoke seems to also hint at God's distance, uh, his apparent absence. Where is God? Where are you, God, hidden in the smoke? Are you indifferent toward me? Do you even hear me? The message paraphrase puts this verse like this. God, God of the angel armies, how long will you smolder like a sleeping volcano while your people call for fire and brimstone? God seems wrapped in smoke. But God is never absent. God is never indifferent. God is never deaf to our cries. But it can feel that way, and it often does to us when we're in the midst of struggling, when we're in the midst of trial. And so in that experience, are our prayers honest like the psalmist? Or do do we hold back? Do we use flowery or religious language to maybe try to get God's attention? Some of us are afraid to be completely honest with God as if he's not big enough to handle it. And so maybe we censor our prayers. But dishonesty in prayer is not holy. It's dishonesty. It's fake. Uh, There's nothing spiritual about holding back in prayer. See, wrestling with God, as the psalmist does here, is faith. It's not doubt. So what are you struggling with right now? What are you wrestling with God that he's brought into your life right now that you're struggling with? Are you wrestling with him about it? Are you being honest before him? Are you crying out to him? Verse 7, the psalmist says, Restore us, God. Restore us. And in our honest wrestling, let's remember that God may, and he often does, answer our prayers in a way other than what we have in mind. He's God, and we're not. He knows best. But restore is, is backward-looking, isn't it? There's a place for that, right? God, restore my, my health that's failing. God, restore my uh, walk with you. God, restore this broken relationship in my life. And so there's a, there's a good place for these prayers. But also, let's not get stuck on only looking backward to what we've lost. God's idea of restoration is forward-looking. In Advent, we look back at the first coming of Christ, and we look forward to the restoration of all things when Jesus comes again. But when Jesus comes again, things are not going back to the good old days. They're moving forward. Jesus is making everything new. He's making it into something better. Part of the pain of this season for many is looking back with sadness and with grief. And we need to work through that. We need to know that God is with us in our grief. We need to be there for one another in our grief, especially this time of year. But in our grieving, let's remember to bring that to God. Let's remember not to avoid it, but also to remember that in Christ we have a future-oriented hope that anchors us in our suffering, in our grieving. The best is yet to come. So let's allow the Spirit to grow our faith as we cry out honestly, diligently to God, as we wrestle with Him in prayer this season. Look back at the the psalm. Do you notice verse 7 and how it repeats the stanza of verse 3? Restore us, make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. Kind of like a repeating chorus. It comes up in verse 3 and verse 7, and then it's repeated a third time at the end of the psalm in verse 19. 
But notice something. If you just have it in front of you, you can sort of just scan down the verses. The first time in verse 3, it's restore us God. That's Elohim, the general name for God. Now, the second time in verse 7, it's restore us who? God of armies. So the psalmist adds a little aspect of who God is. God of armies or God of hosts. And then look down at verse 19. He adds Lord, God of armies. Lord here is Yahweh, the the name of the covenant-keeping God of Israel, the name that recalls when we see it all of God's promises and all his mighty works for his people. And so even in this subtle way, the psalmist throughout the psalm is wrestling, but his faith is growing. The psalmist gets more and more anchored to who God is and the certainty of his hope. So Psalm 80 guides us into recognizing our need for God, what it looks like to cry out honestly to him. Lastly, Psalm 80 tells us to rest in our certain hope in Christ. We'll skip down to the last few lines of the psalm. Take some time this week to look at the rest, verses 8 through 16. There's this great image of God's people as a vine, and God is tending this vine. But look down to verse 17. The psalm closes with a forward-looking hope. Verse 17. Let your hand be with the man at your right hand, with the Son of Man you have made strong for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord, God of armies. Make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. Psalm 80 ultimately at the end here is messianic. It looks forward at the time of its writing, looking forward with anticipation to God's Messiah, God restoring his people through the Messiah. We've already seen the psalmist picture God as a shepherd king in the psalm. Jesus, of course, tells us in John 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 17 of the psalm points to the man at God's right hand and the son of man. Son of man is Jesus' favorite term for himself in the Gospels. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, the high priest questioned him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Look at how Jesus answers this. He doesn't just say yes, look what he says. I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. In other words, Jesus is the direct answer to the psalmist's prayer. Jesus is the direct answer to the longings of God's people throughout history. Now, the psalmist probably didn't expect God to answer his prayer in this way. But in the birth of Jesus, God showed us definitively, for all time, he's listening. He shined his face on his people. He rallied his power, not in the way we would expect, but in the shocking humility of an infant. To restore us, to save us. Psalm 80 is a communal lament, but it's one that ends in a forward-looking hope thanks to God's Messiah, Jesus. This Jesus who gave his whole self for us, body and blood. Who became one of us, who joined God's people in crying out to God, knowing what it felt like to be forsaken. Feeling the psalmist's pain as he wept over Jerusalem as he wept in the garden, wrestling with God for us. This Messiah who became our deliverance, became our restoration, 
the definitive answer that God hears his people, God sees his people, he loves humanity enough to give us his own son. And so let this psalm anchor you this Advent season. Let the truth of the first Advent sustain you as we wait for the second. As we wait for the rest of our prayers to be answered and all the things that we are wrestling with God about right now in our homes, in our workplaces, in the quietness of our own hearts, waiting for complete restoration. Let's be anchored in our hope. But let's be intentional. With the Spirit's help, we can resist the temptation to just buckle down and get through the season, just try to check out. Maybe there's a new prayer practice that you could begin this Advent season that you would commit to, to remind yourself to show up spiritually, to to wake up spiritually and be present before God, together with a friend or your family or on your own. Maybe memorizing scriptures like Psalm 80 that anchor us in our hope. Maybe it's setting an alarm on your, your phone every day to just for five minutes slow down and remember God's presence with you. Whatever it looks like for you, ask the Spirit to help you be intentional this season, to step into Advent spiritually awake. Because God didn't create us with the ability to hibernate. As much as we might wish we had that ability from time to time, we can try to check out, we can distract ourselves through a hectic or painful season, but if we do that, we will miss out on how God wants to show up with us now, today, this season. How God wants to wake us from spiritual sleep to remind us that we have a sheer and desperate need for Him. He wants to grow us in our freedom and prayer to wrestle with God, to orient us toward our sure hope in Christ. Would you pray with me? Our Father, during this first week of Advent, we ask you to fill our hearts with hope as we journey toward the birth of your Son. Often we fill our hearts with distractions and lesser things, but by your gift of hope, help us to desire you above all else, to fully trust your promises. And so, Father, we place our trust in you this morning relying not on our own strength, but on your help, the grace of the Holy Spirit. Let your gift of hope enlighten our hearts, our minds, our actions, and our deepest desires. Let us hope in you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let us stand together.